Welcome to the On Health Podcast by Houston Methodist. I'm Zach Moore. I'm a photographer and editor here, and I've worked in multimedia and television for over 15 years, and I'm also a longtime podcaster. I'm Katie McCallum. I'm a former researcher turned health writer, mostly writing for our blog. Katie, I have a confession to make. What's that, Zach? I have a bad habit of using cotton swabs in my ear on almost a daily basis. Mm. Well, I think the good news for you here is that I'm pretty sure you're not alone. I'm fairly confident that most people do. Okay, maybe not most people. Uh, I think a lot of people do. That'd be my guess. Well, there's a lot of it comes with cleanliness because you want to be clean and you think, oh, uh, to clean my ear, I need to get in there with something and clean it out. Also, just there's a good feeling when you clean your ear with a cotton swab, isn't there? Yeah. You know, and back to your point about the cleanliness, earwax is kind of... I don't know. It's not one of those things that you think of uh, without kind of going like, ugh, earwax. So I think that's where the cleanliness comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want it to be there and you know it's there, so you want to get rid of it. Right. Um, should we be doing it? Should it be there? And are we removing it to our detriment? I think Dr. Lynn's going to let us know. Yeah, I sat down with Dr. Kenny Lynn, who is a ENT specialist here at Houston Methodist, and we had a great conversation about earwax and cotton swabs and earphones and headphones and everything in between. So let's get to it. Let's start out with what is earwax? Is it is it really wax? Is my first question. Not wax in the sense of a candle. It's it is a, a natural product that your body makes over time. It's really just a combination of dry skin that sheds off the skin of the ear canal mixed in with some oils that your body is naturally producing. So the end result is a consistency in some people that resembles wax, which is where I imagine the the name came from. But it's not wax that's going to burn like a candle. Earwax, it's something that we all want to maintain, right? Because no one wants, you know, too much coming out of their ears. And so I don't don't know where it starts in our lives, but at some point it it becomes some kind of habit. It's like, oh, always clean your ears. And when I think of cleaning my ears, I think of cotton swabs. That's like A, B, like those are connected, right? Bacon and eggs, death and taxes, that kind of thing. Not necessarily the case, though. Is that correct? Well, I would agree that the most people will connect the two. Uh, and, and I would be curious, I would love to see the history of, of whether there was any advertising, what kind of influence, what started that, that uh, association mm-hmm. with the ear canals so much. Do you know why we all started doing this thing? <laughs> to be honest, I don't. I, that might be something worth a, a deep dive into the history at some point. We took Dr. Lin up on that because it's a question that kept coming up. Why and when did we start sticking cotton swabs into our ears? From what we can tell, the story starts in 1923, when a man named Leo Gertenzong saw his wife applying wads of cotton to the ends of toothpicks and, rumor has it, using those cotton-laden toothpicks to clean their baby's ears. If I were Leo, I know I would have been thinking, there's got to be a better method. And in a way, there was the cotton swab. And these swabs began being marketed for baby care a few years later. A 1923 print ad in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette stated cotton swabs can be used for the eyes, nostrils, ears, gums, and many other uses. They were marketed to adults as well. An ad from 1956 reads, Dad has found the ideal blotter for water in the ear. Now, it's worth mentioning that for the ear doesn't mean inside the ear canal. And as far as we can tell, cotton swabs have never been advertised as such. But other uses they have been advertised for include hobbies and crafts, applying makeup, cleaning nooks and crannies, 
And it seems that for the ears and nooks and crannies became one and the same at some point. Most people who use cotton swabs stick them well into their ear canal, as far as they'll go sometimes. It's not how manufacturers ever meant for them to be used, of course. By the 1970s, some version of do not insert swab into ear canal had appeared on the packaging. Yet, many people still do it, under the guise of hygiene. Which brings up another question. Do our ears even need cleaning? As far as cleaning the ears, I certainly understand that everyone wants to feel like they're doing something proactive. They feel like if they don't do anything, it's, it's embarrassing to have wax coming out of the ears or it just feels uncomfortable. And so I know a lot of people get into a habit of doing something to clean their ears. My entire life, I've been using cotton swabs to clean my ears. And as I understand it, you're supposed to pretty much kind of brush around the earlobes and that kind of thing, but never really go into the, the ear canal. Is that correct? If I've been using cotton swabs wrong my entire life, is what you're telling me. The official recommendation is that we would like everything and anything to stay outside of the ear canal itself. Now, it's totally fine to clean around the outside of the ear. We would call that the oracle uh, inside the folds of the ear. But the concern, kind of jumping to the kind of the bottom line, is that our concern is that if you insert into the ear, depending on the shape or the, the, the way that you're, you're using it, you're more likely than not pushing some wax back into the ear. And in rare cases, if something happens, someone bumps you, you go too far, it is even possible to injure your eardrum and the bones of hearing connected to the undersurface of the eardrum. You know, you go, you go to the dentist and you get your teeth cleaned, and you go to the optometrist and you get your eyes checked, but you don't really, and maybe, maybe I've been missing out, maybe I should be doing this, but I don't really go anywhere to have my ears checked on an annual basis or anything like that. Should we be doing that as people trying to maintain our health? 99% of people, even those that use Q-tips, will actually never run into the issue of wax building up to such a degree where you do need to do that. So perhaps that's why we don't make it a routine habit of getting your teeth checked or your teeth cleaned, which everyone needs. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly there are certain risk factors for why one person might have more issues with wax, uh, one being that if your ear canals are small or narrow uh, to start with, if you've ever had ear surgery, if you've had skin uh, within the ear canal that's been disrupted from a surgical procedure, you may not be able to clean. The body may not be able to push the wax out uh, on its own as it should. Other changes that happen over our lifetime, as we get older, older adults have less oil production, and so their wax becomes drier and, and it clumps and sticks more within the ear canal. And then finally, some people just have their shape of the ear canal is just curved in such a way where there's something the hairs in the ear canal, something is trapping and catching it and blocking it from coming out. That being said, the normal procedure or the normal way that the body is cleaning out the ear is that the wax is gently being pushed outwards gradually over time. So it is completely natural and normal to occasionally see flakes of wax or feel that there is wax coming out of the ear. That's the normal response of the body. Our impulse is, what is this foreign thing in our body? But it's really not foreign. It's actually getting rid of the foreign objects. It's, it's its purpose to kind of push it out of your ear for protection. The natural process is that the wax will be pushed out of the ear canal. That, that begs the question, why is it there in the first place, mm -hmm. right? There is no clear or single consensus. Uh, there are people that make very little wax and don't seem to have an issue with their ears. But the thoughts are, there are a couple of thoughts on, on why we make ear wax in the first place. Uh, the first is that it's just natural because skin anywhere in the body has to shed and, and dry skin, dead skin, accumulates in the ear canal as wax. Some people feel that their, uh, the wax, when they've tested it and studied it, has a slightly acidic component to it, which they think might be antibacterial. 
And then still others just think that having wax in the ear almost acts as a filter and prevents dirt and dust from getting down and, and settling onto your eardrum. So in a way, it, it helps keep the ear clean, the parts of the ear that are important to hearing. What kind of warning signs are there if you're having too much, other than the visual, of course, as far as like, oh, I have too much earwax, I should go to a physician and perhaps even have a more in-depth removal of earwax. So most people that come in with earwax problems are coming in because they are feeling like their ears are clogged or, or muffled in terms of their hearing, uh, especially if water gets into the ear. So you can imagine water in the ear causes the earwax to expand, and if it's at a point where there's enough blockage of the ear canal, that can almost feel like it seals off the ear canal and your, your listening is muffled like, as if you are listening underwater. So hearing changes is probably the most common reason that I see patients with excessive earwax. Other people, the wax can at times start to cause irritation, pain, or discomfort. Yeah, those are really the two main reasons. Okay. What are some good alternatives to cotton swabs? Perhaps hydrogen peroxide or something like that? What we generally recommend as an alternative, if you wanted to be doing something proactive, is to use something like mineral oil or baby oil inside of the ear. The idea of using the oil is that it acts as a lubricant, it softens the wax, and it prevents it from sticking or clumping. But I have to be honest, there isn't a single way that is going to be very effective at getting the wax out of the ear. You may have seen different ads on Instagram or on, on Twitter of these devices. I, I saw one recently that looked like a rotor-rooter basically spinning in circles around the ear and, and kind of trying to pull the wax out that way. They all make me a little bit nervous. The honest answer is that there isn't a single safe way every time that you're going to get the wax out yourself. If the wax is not coming out on its own, unfortunately, that is something that may require a trip in to see your family doctor or even an ENT. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen those remedies as well. I get little mini vacuum cleaners almost. And, and, and one that really fascinates me is the ear candle. Are you familiar with this? I have never tried it myself. I have many patients that have described it to me. My understanding of how it works is that it you're using a, a heat source, a candle, uh, and holding it up close to the ear, and it basically softening or, in a way, almost liquefying or, or softening the wax so that it would drain out. Uh, it seems to work for some people, but again, just the thought of applying high heat close to the ear, again, makes me very nervous. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't try that myself. So a lot of people will be listening to this on their earphones. Me personally, AirPods are my favorite invention of all time. I'm, I'm on the go a lot. I love listening to things. And every mobile phone, cell phone comes with earbuds, whether wired or not wired. And so a lot of us spend a lot of our time each day with earbuds inserted into our ear. What kind of side effect does this have as far as maybe earwax or even hearing goes uh, long term? As far as the earwax, we do know that kind of draw a, a similar analogy to this, but patients, older patients that use hearing aids. So this is kind of the ex extreme example of, of what you're asking. These people are wearing their earpieces from the hearing aids 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And in this group, we do see that there is a higher rate of, of wax buildup. And so certainly having something inside the ear canal, whether it's an earbud or a hearing aid, over time does prevent the natural progression of wax from, from all the way exiting the ear. So yes, whether it's because moisture or humidity uh, gets trapped inside of the ear because of the, the earbud use, or just that there's a physical obstruction. Uh, there is, I think, a, a higher incidence of, of wax building up. Uh, your second question uh, regarding hearing, uh, the, the answer there is that earbuds aren't necessarily more dangerous to your hearing in terms of use. What really what we key on or focus on and when patients ask me this, what I really tell them is it's about the volume. 
no matter what source of sound you're listening to, whether it's a speaker in your in your living room, whether it's a headphone over the ear or in the ear, it's at the end of the day, it's what volume is being delivered to the ear. Uh, certainly, with something as close to the ear, if you accidentally had your volume maxed on your phone, it might in that moment be uh, more dangerous because the volume was delivered in a kind of a very focused way and very very loudly. Um, but to that end, I know uh, companies like Apple have taken measures. There, there's, I, I believe, a, a default setting that even if you left your volume on too high and you plug in headphones or connect to your AirPods, it actually resets it down to a reasonable volume. So it prevents such an exposure as that. More with Dr. Lin after the break. From annual checkups to managing chronic conditions, your health care should be personalized to you. At Houston Methodist, our primary care doctors provide customized care for you and your family with more than 40 convenient locations across greater Houston. We offer a variety of ways to get care, from in-person and virtual appointments to same-day visits when you're sick. Choose your doctor and schedule online at HoustonMethodist.org slash stay healthy. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. So, Katie, what kind of headphones do you prefer? Are you more of a inside-the-ear earbud listener? Are you more of a over-the-ear earmuff headphone kind of listener? I kind of think I was always using earbuds. Maybe when I was really young, I think over-the-ear headphones were more common, or that's how I perceive it to be at least. But um, probably in college, switched to earbuds. Um, They feel like they just fit snugger. I think a lot of it comes from when I'm running or working out. The jostling over of the over the ear headphones is kind of annoying. I think I mean I'm sure they're better now, but I think that's probably when I switched. Yeah, I, mean, I remember when I was younger, you got your Sony Walkmans and stuff, and and you, you try to like go to sleep listening to stuff, and you can't you can't sleep on your side because there's a headphone thing, and it's just very. But earbuds, like it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, earbuds will fit inside your ear, and they're like like you said, running or, or doing things around the house or, or, or sleeping or whatever. They're just so convenient. When I got my first smartphone, I think it was in college around. They all come with earbud headphones now. So ever since then, I was like, why would I ever go back, right? So unless I'm doing some kind of like professional editing, like on this podcast, I'll be wearing headphones. But outside of that, for personal stuff, I definitely use earbuds. Yeah, I'm probably the same. I think arguably when when the first smartphones were coming out, some of the earbuds that would come with them were a little uncomfortable. But nowadays, they're they're just much cozier, in my opinion. So when it comes to things in your ears, over your ears, things like that, I've seen a lot of parents recently, recently, probably the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, bring, when they're bringing small children to like sporting events, they have like these headphones, but they're noise-canceling headphones, right, to kind of protect them from, from all these loud noises, right? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I went to a basketball game for the, the first time I've been to a professional basketball game. It was just so loud. It was such an intimidating like experience for your ears. Like, oh my gosh, is my, am I going to go deaf now? Because there's fireworks and loud music and things like that in an enclosed space. And I think like the ear protection and all that really plays into talking about all these things that go inside your ear. And when your hearing gets overwhelmed like that, uh, it can lead to ringing and that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, that's really concerning because you're like, it's just going to stay forever. Is it a temporary thing, right? Dr. Lin goes into that and he talks about when your ears are ringing, what that means, that it's like a warning sign and what steps you should take after that. When your ears are ringing, that's actually an early sign. Your body's telling you you had a little bit too much. Uh, the ringing of the ears is a symptom of mild irritation, even inflammation to the nerve of hearing and the the hair cells of hearing. 
And in movies, they simulate this when there's an explosion, something goes off. The first thing that happens mm. is it goes quiet. Right. And then the first thing that they bring back in is that high-pitched ringing. Well, in ringing, we call tinnitus or tinnitus. And that, t- that ringing is a symptom that your ears are stunned or irritated from the sound exposure. So we call this an acoustic trauma. Generally, at a low dose or a low uh, exposure, this ringing goes away after 5, 10, 30 minutes. You may notice it the next morning, and then things kind of restore back to normal. But repeated and, and continued exposures of, of sound, for example, if you are a season ticket holder to the Rockets and, and you did this 40 times a year, over many years, that is unfortunately going to cause a hearing loss. So we do want to uh, caution and recommend listeners to, to minimize that as much as possible and take precautions if that is something that you're routinely being exposed to. Hmm. Yeah, so, so tinnitus or tinnitus? Because I've, I've, I've never, no pun intended, I've never heard that out loud before. I've only read it. So how, how do you pronounce that? Both. Both are, are accurate. I, probably one is a British pronunciation, but we we, we use both right. interchangeably. Tomato, tomato situation. Okay, yep. yeah. Because, yeah, there, there are times when there's like no sound going on. And, I, and you still kind of hear a little bit of something. That, that, is that That's that exactly. Is? That's okay. what tinnitus or tinnitus is. And now, of the people that have that type of ringing sound in their ears, about 95% are going to be associated with some degree of high-frequency hearing loss. I actually tell patients that the ringing that they have is a symptom of their hearing loss. Both are, at the end of the day, likely to be uh, signs that there's been a mild injury to the nerve of hearing. The first recommendation, if you're experiencing the ringing, is to see uh, an audiologist, have your hearing checked, and just to make sure that the, the, especially the high-frequency hearing is still in line, or if you're starting to have signs of an early hearing loss, to have that discussion. One last question for you. Is there any psychological study or reasoning why it feels so good to clean your ears <laughs> with cotton swabs? Beyond just the cleanest, there's a certain kind of like nerve response or something. It's just a very, a very just good feeling washes over you when you use these, apparently in the, in the improper way. So is there any sort of reason why that people enjoy that? I do. I can't say that I haven't done it before either, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It feels great, especially for, for example, people go swimming, they get out of the water, and they feel like there's just water in the ears. And that, that feeling is very uncomfortable. My personal feeling on that is I think a lot of us get into this habit with related to that sensation of, of having water in the ears, whether it's after being in the pool or after being in the shower. You feel like that it causes your hearing to be a little muffled. It feels like you're, you need a tongue on the ears. You want to get something out of the ears. Yeah. And I think that is the impulse that kind of drives this, this habit to start. Uh, and, and once you get into the habit of it, it just becomes, for a lot of people, a, a habit of, of just like drying your hair after a shower. That's my habit. I get out of the shower, you know, dry off, and then, oh, here comes the cotton swabs. Don't do that is what you're telling me, though. There are other options. People definitely feel like they want to be doing something proactive. And again, the situation that, that usually arises is people feel like they want to clean the water out of the ears after being in the pool or, or after a shower. Uh, there are a couple of suggestions. Uh, one, uh, an easy one, is you can take a, a hair dryer, keep it on the low setting, and hold it in arm's length and just let it run for a minute or two. The warm air will help the, the water or moisture inside of the air to evaporate. Other products that you may see at the pharmacy, uh, if your your goal is to dry the ears after a shower, you can use alcohol drops. Alcohol, just like wiping a table with, with alcohol, you, you'll notice that it evaporates very quickly, and that'll cause and help the moisture to evaporate. The, the last kind of category of products that you often see at the pharmacy are going to be peroxide-based. For example, Debrox is the most common uh, trade name for that. Peroxide drops don't help as much for drying or getting wax out of the ear necessarily. It is a softener of the wax. Uh, in some cases, if you have a lot of wax, it may help the wax to, to fall out. But more, more 
frequently it just softens the wax and causes the wax to conform or to even move around within the ear canal. And I've had patients tell me that it actually feels worse after using the, the Debrox drops because the wax moved around and now it may be sitting on the eardrum and there, it causes a, a pressure and a change in hearing. Hmm. Yeah. And speaking of removing it then, I've seen that there, people can go in and have procedures where the ear, ear wax is taken out of their ear. But this only be for pretty extreme cases then. Typically, we, we, when we're looking to remove wax, it's because the wax is covering 60, 70 plus percent of the ear canal, and we suspect that it might be getting to the point where it's affecting your hearing. Now, I, I know there are certain clinics, even CVS or Walgreens kind of walk-in clinics that do offer wax cleaning. Uh, I, I know that a lot of family practices or even urgent cares will offer wax cleaning. And then certainly your ENTs will do wax cleaning. There are some differences and techniques that you may expect uh, at the different locations depending on where you go. Uh, for the most part, at your family practice or at an urgent care, most of the providers will be using water and an irrigation system to try to flush out the ears. That works in about 80-90% of the cases. Uh, but really, if it is a really bad uh, impaction of wax, uh, going to a local ENT is still probably your best bet. Uh, the advantage that we as ENTs have over your, your family doctor or your urgent care provider is that we have microscopes that allow us to see exactly what is happening, where the wax is, what the consistency is, and then we have different options of, of how to get that out. The tools that I use uh, will range from using a small suction, essentially a vacuum cleaner, to remove focal areas of wax, or we have different uh, instruments or loops or curettes that we can use to scoop the wax out uh, if needed. So some takeaways. Earwax, naturally occurring. Don't be afraid of it. If you feel like you have too much, go to a primary care physician, and they might refer you to an ENT or another specialist to have it medically properly removed, supervised by medical professionals. Don't try this stuff you see on the internet. Use cotton swabs, but don't insert them directly into the ear. And uh, yeah, just protect your hearing. Hearing's important. We want you to listen to our podcast. So take care of your hearing. And uh, there we go. So thank you so much, Dr. Lynn, for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So, Zach, moment of truth, are you going to stop using cotton swabs every day? I'm going to try. Now, you used to use cotton swabs. I did. I did used to use cotton swabs. I don't really remember when I started. I probably used them for five or six years, um, would use them every day. I did quit cold turkey about two years ago after talking to Dr. Lynn about this very topic for a blog post. He laid out all the facts. I left my interview with him thinking... I'm never going to stick another cotton swab in my ear, and I haven't. Well, cold turkey, huh? Yeah. You were a stronger person than I, Katie. For me, it was the only way to go. Just cut it off at the source. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, it's one of those things where you don't see the negative side effect, so you have no deterrent other than people telling you, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And you say, why? It's like, oh, well, it could do this, it could do that. And you say, well, it's not happening to me. And I think that's actually a trap that a lot of people fall into when it comes to bad habits. Right. I think... Though what I took away from Dr. Lynn speaking about this was that, yeah, there there's damage you can cause to your ear, but there's also the why are you doing it of um, earwax is supposed to be in your ear. Why are we trying to take it out? Yeah. So maybe that's the reason to stop is that it has all these important functions. It's keeping your ear um, healthy and free of infection and you're digging it out every day. Mm. So I think, yeah, there's the reason to stop because you could really hurt yourself. There's also the reason to stop because it's supposed to be there. Um, we don't really need to be trying to get it out. So I don't know, maybe just something to think about, Zach. Yeah, and there are a lot of other applications for cotton swabs as well. 
right? Applying medicine into cuts and things like that. Right. You don't have to throw your supply of cotton swabs away. Because I have, I have hundreds of them. Right. I, yeah, they come in big packages. There's plenty of uses for them, just not inside your ear canal. That's what I heard, at least. Ah, heard. Got it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed our topic today. That's going to do it for us this time. But if you enjoy these kinds of conversations and topics and are looking for more discussions, be sure to share, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more like this, visit our blog, On Health, at houstonmethodist.org slash blog. Stay tuned and stay healthy. Houston Methodist Hospital has been named the best hospital in Texas for 11 years in a row by U.S. News and World Report. Houston Methodist Hospital is the number one hospital in Texas and number 15 in the nation. We are nationally ranked in 10 specialties, the most in the state. For more than 100 years, we have provided you the best and safest clinical care, advanced technology, and patient experience. That's our promise of leading medicine. Houston Methodist, leading medicine.